Alright, well if you have your Bibles with you this morning, your Bible apps, uh, turn them to Ephesians chapter 3, as we are just uh, trekking our way through this marvelous letter of Paul to the church that all of us might behold the body of Christ. In just a moment, Alan is going to read what is uh, perhaps a, a familiar passage to many of us, perhaps one of the most beloved prayers in all of Scripture, and I am excited for what God has in store for us this morning through this passage of Scripture. Uh, but before he does, I just want to briefly speak to all of the kiddos as a reminder. Uh, we do have uh, handouts, we have notes in the back, so grab those if you haven't yet, and um, feel free to fill in those little blanks that you got there. Come down front after the service, and we will get you a lollipop. You can also do what my daughter Aubrey likes to do, and just draw a really fantastic picture. Uh, you can bring that down, and that will get you a lollipop as well. Well, kiddos, as we listen to God's word being read this morning, as I preach in the sermon this morning, I want you to listen for, for God's love as Paul is going to be praying that we will come to know, that we will come to grasp God's love for us. So this morning, be listening for how God has shown his love for us in Jesus and how we can know this love better by praying. So be listening for those things. And Alan, you can For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power I work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ, Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Well, this morning, as I mentioned, we are going to be we are going to be looking at one of the, the richest portions of, of Scripture, and so we are just going to dive right in. As I mentioned in my little preview for the for the kiddos, we're going to be talking about God's love, especially how we can come to to know or to grasp God's love for us. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while, or if you've been around Christianity really for any amount of time, you know that, that God's love is a, is a central truth of Christianity, of, of the gospel. You know, John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible, right? It's all about God's love. It says, for God so loved the world. Christianity, the, the Christian story is all about love. And yet, if you're anything like me, the reality of God's love can easily lose its impact. It can easily lose its effect on our hearts. It can quickly become a, a theological truth that I will assent to, but not one that moves my soul. Can, can you relate? Have, have you ever thought to yourself in a moment, I, I know that God loves me, but I just don't, I just don't feel like he loves me. I don't, I don't feel his love for me. Well, if you can relate, and I know that many of you can, I want you to know that you are, you are not alone because not only am I standing right there with you, but as the very presence of this passage in our Bible shows us, 
This has always been a struggle for God's people. Christians, including those in the church in Ephesus that Paul is writing to, they are struggling or they will struggle to grasp God's love. And in light of this struggle, Paul does the best thing he knows to do for these Christians. He prays for them. He prays this divinely inspired prayer, this prayer inspired by the Holy Spirit. He prays for the Ephesians, and in doing so, God has given us a prayer that we can pray as we fight to grasp God's love for us. So this morning, we're going to look at four things that Paul prays for, the, the four prayer requests that Paul has that we might grasp God's love. And as we, we make our way through this passage, I think the, a visual image of a staircase is a helpful one that, that these four prayer requests, they each build one on top of the other as if you were walking up a staircase as you, you pray the first prayer request and the second one builds on that one and the third builds on the previous two. We're going to see this impact happen in this prayer. And it's been my prayer each, it's been my prayer this week that as we look at each one of these steps, as we climb higher and higher up this prayer, that each and every one of us here will have a firmer grasp of God's love for us. Well, as Paul begins his prayer here, starting in verse 14, he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Reflecting on all that he has written up to this point in his letter, Paul is just so overwhelmed by God's grace in the gospel that his knees buckle in prayer. Paul here is, is overwhelmed by God's grace, by his love for his people, that he literally falls to his knees in prayer, in awe and wonder. And here we see the first thing he prays for is that God would strengthen us to grasp his love. This is Paul's first prayer request, that we would be strengthened to grasp his love. Look with me at verse 16. Paul prays, Paul prays that according to the riches of his glory, that he, God the Father here, may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul here prays for spiritual strength because he knows how clueless we can be to our own need for spiritual strength. You see, for, for each of us here, I think we have a, a, a pretty good understanding of, a, of our own limits of, of physical strength. I think we all have a, a pretty good idea of our, of our need for physical strength, whether we are attempting to, to lift something heavy or if you're in the middle of a workout. It's just very easy for us to be, to be aware of our need for, for physical strength. I was uh, reminded of this recently, and in the office we have this, uh, you know, one of those water jugs that you flip upside down and you pull the lever down. Well, one of the, the people in our office wasn't able to, to lift that. They were, they were unaware of, or they were very aware of their strength to, to lift this water bottle up. And so, so she comes to knocking on my door because she knows that in our office that I'm the one with the most abounding strength in the office. And she, she asks me, Josh, well, will, you, will you put this water on? I'm thirsty. I need water. You're the only one who can do it. And it was just a very wise moment there. But, but she knew she couldn't do it. And she knew that I had the strength. And just in the same way here, Paul knows that we don't have strength on our own to grasp God's love. But he knows that God can give us the strength that we need to grasp God's love for us. And so that's why he prays this prayer. The first thing, the first thing that we need as we come to praise, we come to grasp God's love, 
is we need to know our need for his strength, and we need God to strengthen us with his power. Paul knows that if we are going to know God's love for us, we must receive this strength. And as we've been as I've been saying here, this is a, a this is a spiritual strength that we need. And the reason why it's a, a spiritual strength is because Paul shows us that this strength comes to us through his spirit. Did you see that there in verse 16? He prays that we would be strengthened with power through his spirit. It's through the, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that we are strengthened with this power. Now, in just a few moments, we're going to see why we need to be strengthened. But for now, I just want us to, to encourage us to not overlook the, the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is a, a vital work that the Holy Spirit does for each and every one of us. And it is one that we desperately need. And as Paul prays here, he has great confidence that God is going to grant this strength because he's asking according to to the riches of God's glory. You see, God's riches here, including his power, they are, they are inexhaustible. And so we can pray knowing that God will, he will, according to the riches of his grace, strengthen us when we ask him. When we think about God's power, there's just no worry that he is going to need to, to ration out his power. There are, are no rolling blackouts or brownouts on God's power. This is a powerful source that is inexhaustible, one that we never need to worry about running dry. And so that is why Paul can pray this prayer. And that is why we pray this prayer, because we need God to strengthen us. And we know that he is willing and able to strengthen us with power so that we will grasp his love. This is the first step in this prayer staircase to know and grasp God's love. We pray for strength. And building off of this first step here, second, we pray that Christ will dwell in our hearts. Look with me at verse 17. Paul continues praying. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Here's the, this is the reason, this is the, the purpose that we are praying for spiritual strength. It's so that Christ will dwell in our hearts. Now this might be confusing. I mean, after all, isn't Paul praying for, for Christians? Don't, don't Christians already have Christ dwelling in them? Why, why would Paul pray here for something that they already have? Well, I think that we can make sense of Paul's prayer here when we see that what he's actually praying for isn't so much that they would, would receive the Spirit, that Christ would dwell in them for the first time, but he is praying that they would, would more deeply experience Jesus' presence with them and that it would have a transformative effect on their lives, mainly that by Jesus, by them being aware of Jesus dwelling in them, that they would be a people who know God's love. Paul here is, is praying that they will be more aware of Jesus' indwelling presence so that they will begin to look like him, begin to be a people of love. And I think that when we look at this word dwell here, it begins to, to make a little bit more sense. If it's, a, if it's a little fuzzy right now, that's okay, because I think that when we look at this word dwell here, it's gonna, that we're going to get a better picture here. You see, in, the New, in, the, in Greek, in the, that's the language that the New Testament was written in, there are, are two words for dwelling. The first one refers to like just a, a temporary residence. Think of it like you and your family staying at, a, at an Airbnb for a couple of days. This is just a temporary dwelling. You're, you're dwelling there, but it's not a, a permanent dwelling. 
And the second word for a dwelling, the one that Paul uses here, has the idea of, of a permanent residence. It's, it's kind of has the picture of, of buying a house and, and moving in. It has this picture of settling down, of having deep roots. And when that happens, the place begins to reflect you. It begins to, to look like you. I was uh, thinking about this, just my own experience of this year. Um, this past year, or I guess perhaps two years ago now, before we started renting office space from Steve, I would occasionally, from time to time, just work there for the day, or I would work there for the afternoon. And so when I would, would go to work there for the day, I would pack up my backpack, I would pack up my bags with all my books, I would, I would go there, I would be there for the day, and when I left, I would take everything home with me. When I, when I left the office, you wouldn't be able to tell that I had been there. I was just temporarily dwelling there. I was just there and then I was gone. But at the beginning of, of last ministry year, when we, be, when we started renting space from this office, I knew that this office space was going to be my, my permanent dwelling. And the longer, and so uh, and as I, as, so it became like our permanent dwelling, it was where we were going to stay. I was going to be working out of there every day. So I wasn't going to need to take my stuff with me and take my stuff home every day. I was going to be able to take my stuff with me, move it in. And as this has happened slowly over time, the, the office has begun to look more and more like me. Have you guys ever walked into a room and you're just like, oh, yes, that room looks like this person? Well, well when you walk into my office and you see the books on the shelf, as you see my, my family pictures all around, as you see the, the coasters that my girlies have loomed for me just sitting there on my desk, you, you walk in and you can tell that I've been there. I've left a mark on the office and it's begun to look like me. And that's just what Paul is praying would happen here in our lives, that Jesus would more fully take up residence in our hearts, in our lives, so that we would, would so that his image would, would be reflected in us, that we would begin to look more and more like him. And as Paul goes on to show us here at the rest of verse 17, that the most notable effect that this has of Jesus moving in, Jesus permanently dwelling in our hearts, is that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Here, using architectural and, and agricultural imagery, Paul shows us what it looks like when Christ is dwelling in our hearts. First, he says that we will be rooted in love. The, the obvious image is, is here all around us in these trees that we are sitting under. Paul is, is, is praying that we would be like these trees that have roots that go deep and wide into the soil, that give them stability, that give them life. He's praying that as Christ dwells in our hearts, that we would be just like these trees, that we would have roots that go deep and wide into the soil of God's love, that we would be more loving people, because that is what happens when Christ dwells in our hearts, that we become rooted in love. And in the same way here, just like any building needs a, a firm or a solid grounding, so our lives need to be built on the solid foundation of God's love. And this here is just so important because as we, we struggle, as we fight to grasp God's love, it is, it is just imperative that we be rooted and grounded in Christ's love because that is the only way that we will come to grasp his love. And so that is why Paul prays for strength, and he prays here that Christ would dwell in our hearts, because that must happen if we are to grasp his love. 
So those are our first two steps. We pray for strength. We take the next step up. We pray that Christ would dwell in our hearts. And here we've reached the third step where we pray that we will know God's limitless love. That we will know God's limitless love. And here, starting in verse 18, we have really reached the heart of Paul's prayer. Here, starting in verse 18, Paul prays that we may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Here in this beautiful and poetic language that Paul is praying in, he's praying that we will know God's limitless love for us, this love that surpasses knowledge. But, but what exactly is this love? What is this love that Paul is talking about? I, I think it's really important that we slow down here because one of the challenges that, that I've found when talking about love, whether this is um, when I'm talking about love and I'm thinking about it myself, about God's love, is that it can easily become an, an abstract or a theoretical concept, something that I easily acknowledge, but I have a really hard time personalizing it. Sure, I'm going to acknowledge God's love, but I struggle to say, what does that mean for me? What does that look like in my own life? But that is the last thing that God wants for us, because God's love is the most personal thing in the whole world. And we know this because of Jesus. You see, Jesus literally personifies God's love for us. And in his life and death, we have the supreme demonstration of God's love. Paul put this very succinctly in Romans 5, 8, when he says that God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If we are going to grasp God's love for us, it starts right here by looking at Jesus, by looking to the cross, because it's here that we see most clearly God's love for us. You see, the cross shows us that out of their love for us, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit took the initiative to save us, to redeem, and to restore us, even when we were his enemies. The Bible, the Bible is clear here that because of our sin and our rebellion against God, you and I deserve nothing but God's just judgment on our sin. We deserve to experience God's wrath against our sin. But for all who have trusted in Jesus here, this is a punishment that we will never know because of the abundant, limitless, and infinite love of Christ. Because Christ died for us. And here in dying, he took on our punishments, experiencing not just the excruciating pain of physical death on a cross, which, which was very real, but more than that, he endured the full wrath of God against our sin. In a moment that you and I will never fully understand, as Jesus was bearing our sin, as he, he experiences what it is like to be forsaken, he experiences what it is like to be abandoned by the Father as he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, who for all eternity had only ever experienced the most intimate relationship of love with the Father and the Spirit, in this moment, he is cut off as he experiences not their love, 
but their wrath and their hatred against our sin. And he did all of this out of his great love so that we will never, so that we will only ever know his love. Christ endured God's wrath so that we might know his love. And the amazing thing here is that Christ didn't just do that. He didn't just save us and then leave us on our own. He didn't just, uh, you know, this imagery came to mind was he didn't just bail us out of jail and then say, hey, leave me alone. I've done enough for you. Just, I, I need to stay away. But Christ paid our penalty and then he brought us to himself that we might know this most intimate of relationships with him. Oh, church, that we might know this marvelous love that surpasses knowledge, this love that is better than life, as David says in Psalm 63. This is our greatest need, and because of our sin, this is the most unnatural thing for us. You see, we need to know this. We need to know and experience this love because our entire Christian lives are meant to flow from. They're meant to be a response to God's love for us. And it's only as we become deeply aware, as, as we become deeply aware and moved by God's love for us, that we will be able to, that we will want to show God's love to others, and that we will want to love Him and love others as He has called us to, as He has called us to. It is, it is the love of God that compels us to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for Christ, as Paul says. And while this truth is at the core of the gospel, it is, it is what we most need, it is what compels us to live the Christian life, it is the most unnatural thing for us to comprehend. I think the, the very fact that Paul uses this word comprehend in verse 18, it shows us something of the challenge of knowing God's love for us. I mean, this word that Paul uses here in verse 18, to comprehend, it, it literally means to wrestle or to capture, as in capturing the city in battle. Now, it might seem strange, or at least it, it did to me at first, that Paul would, would, would pray that we, would, we would, would wrestle to know God's love, or that we would, would fight to know God's love. But the, the more I thought about it, the more I, I just realized that it speaks so realistically to our struggles to grasp God's love for us. I think it, it shows us that uh, it shows us that it's not something that comes natural to us, but it's something that we have to fight for. And I just wonder, what does this struggle look like for you? Does maybe a, a constant sense of guilt prevent you from, from fully believing that God loves you? Maybe you, you will believe that God loves you, but maybe you think this love is just tinted with a little bit of, of disappointment because of, of something that you did or something that you should have done. But as, you, as we struggle with this guilt, God invites us to look to Jesus and to see that on the cross, he took our guilt, he nailed it to the cross, and that there is now no condemnation for us who are in Christ. So if you struggle to believe that God loves you because of this sense of guilt, look to the cross and see that there is no condemnation. Or maybe you struggle to believe that God truly loves you because, because you just you have this sense of, of shame that you don't deserve love, that you are, are worthless or that you are not valuable. That because of something that you have done or perhaps something that was done to you, the idea that you would be lovable is just a, is just a fantasy. But the beauty of the gospel is that on the cross, 
Christ bore our shame. He has drawn us to himself, and he is covering us with his love. So know that in Christ, he has taken our shame, and that we are lovable because of what Christ has done, and that we can know this love. Or maybe you're tempted to tie God's love to you, to your performance, to what you do or to what you don't do. Think that for all of us here living in America, living in our uh, meritocratic society where what you do defines who you are, this is, a, this is a struggle for all of us. But as we look to the cross, as we, as we look to the cross, we see God's love that proclaims to each and every one of us that God loves us without all of our accomplishments. He loves us regardless of what we have done or have not done. You see, God's love isn't dependent upon us. Jesus doesn't have a, a what have you done for me lately mentality, but he loves us with a steady, sure love that flows from his heart for us. This is God's limitless love for us. This is the love that Paul is praying that we will grasp. And we're left here with a, with a question, though. How do we come to know this love? Well, I believe that the, the answer here for how we come to know this love is found at the beginning of verse 18. Read with me where Paul prays that we will have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. Here, Paul is showing us that to know God's love, to know God's love in this experiential, grabbing the cat by the tail kind of way, that we need to know we need God's spirits and we need God's people. Here when Paul prays for strength, he's picking up that first prayer request we saw in verse 16 where he prayed that God would strengthen us with power. And so here as he prays for strength, he's praying that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we might know God's love. If we are going to, to know and experience his love, we need the Spirit to empower us because it is the Spirit who pours God's love into our hearts. And he does this through means. God, God strengthens us through his spirit to know his love as we spend time in his word, as we read his word, as we study his word, as we meditate on his word, as we pray through it. The Holy Spirit is strengthening us. That's why one of our goals this ministry year is for, for spiritual growth, that we would be enjoying God in his word. We would be enjoying God in prayer because as we do that, we're not just checking boxes off. But we are positioning ourselves to be strengthened, to know God's love, because it is when the Spirit is working through the Word that we will see that, that we will know that. And so that is why Paul shows us here, first, we need the Holy Spirit to grasp God's love. But as verse 18 also shows us, it's not something that we come to know in isolation. Grasping God's love, it's not an individualistic, solitary pursuit here, but this is something that we do together with all the saints. I just love how John Stott put it. John Stott said, we need the whole people of God to understand the whole love of God. So let that, that sink in there. We need the whole people of God to understand the whole love of God. And this is exactly what Paul is telling us here. He's, he's telling us that we can only come to a better, fuller experience of God's love in community with his people. That, that again, is why we desire for all of our members to be, in a, to be in a home group or to be pursuing fellowship in some way because it's as we're with one another that we're able to see and experience his love for us 
in ways that we never could as we see it tangibly embodied in our brothers and sisters. You see, we desire home groups, we structure for home groups, we see them as our second most important ministry outside of this context, not because we think it's important for you just to go to another meeting to have something on your calendar, but we see such an importance here, it's because as we are going to these, as we are surrounded by God's love, as we are surrounded by God's people, together with all the saints is where we come to grasp the breadth and the width and the length and the height of God's love for us. So for you, as you perhaps have a home group meeting this afternoon or coming up this week, let this reality change the way that you approach that meeting. See it as an opportunity for you to grasp God's love for you, because that's what God desires to do in those times together. So we need God's spirit and we need God's people. That is how we grow. That is how we grasp God's love for us as the spirit shows us his love that was demonstrated on the cross. So climbing this, this staircase of prayer that we might grasp God's love, we pray for strength. We pray that Christ would dwell in our hearts. We pray that we would come to know God's limitless love. And last year, lastly, here in verse 19, we pray that we would be filled. In the last part of verse 19, Paul prays that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. This is, this is Paul's shorthand way of praying that we would be spiritually mature, that we would be built up, that we would, would grow, that we would become mature in the fullness of faith. That is what, what Paul means here when he prays that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Because as we're growing in our faith, as we are becoming more like Jesus, we are more and more being filled with the fullness of God because Jesus is the fullness of God. And this is God's ultimate desire for us, to fill us with himself. And Paul knows that this only happens as we come to grasp God's love for us, and so he prays. Here he builds this prayer staircase, praying that God will strengthen us, that he will dwell in our hearts, that he will enable us to know his limitless love, and that he will fill us. So as we consider here all that we've seen in this passage, I think that the applications for us are pretty clear, or I hope so. First, I just want to encourage all of us again that we might position ourselves to grasp God's love. It, it, it comes through positioning ourselves, through placing ourselves in positions where the Holy Spirit can pour God's love into our hearts through his word and through his people. So just consider what that might look like for you, consider how you can intentionally position yourself in those ways to be made more and more and more aware of God's great love for you. And remember, we do this with the saints. So in that position, have it not just be things you're doing on your own, but have it be intentionally things that you are doing with other Christians. And I think the second application for all of us here is to pray this prayer. God has included this passage in our Bibles because he knows that we are going to struggle to grasp his love for us, but he desperately wants us to experience it. God is waiting and he is longing for us to pray this prayer to him that he might pour his love into our hearts, that we might experience more and more of who he is. God is willing and ready to answer. 
unless you think that this prayer is too big for God to pray, I think Paul Paul just uh, calms any concerns we might have as he closes this prayer in verses 20 and 21, and he prays, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. As we, as we pray this prayer here, we are praying to the God who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think. It's almost like God is, is tempting us to ask us for a, for a, to pray to him something that is too much for him to do. He's almost saying, you think I can't do that? Pray. Pray that you will experience my love, and that's a prayer that I will answer. So church, let us pray. Well, as the suburb set the servers prepare to serve us the Lord's Supper, as Rick comes down, first, I just want to talk to any here who have not experienced this love. If you are here and you have never trusted in Christ, I want you to know that this morning, right now, God, through the Holy Spirit, is inviting you to turn from your sin and to trust in Him, to know this love. Because apart from this love, as we saw earlier, we will experience God's just judgment on our sin. But through faith, through trusting in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, God is inviting us to experience his limitless love. So do this now. I pray that you would turn to him and know this love that surpasses knowledge. You're here and you sense that God might be at work in your heart. I would just invite you to, to come down after the service, talk to myself, talk to any of the other leaders. We would love to talk with you. Well, brothers and sisters, this morning we have sung God's love. We have prayed God's love. We have heard God's love proclaimed over us in the insurance of pardon here in this sermon. And as we close this service, we are going to taste and see God's love for us as we taste as we take the Lord's Supper.